It's Wednesday, the 17th of February. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Shano, how are things? I am great. We are now at the pointy end of the Australian Open. Can you believe we're here, Jimmy? After all this stuff that's gone on, we're now into the semi-finals. Yeah, absolutely, and plenty to talk about there. We've got a real special chat today with Ricky Stewart. Johnny Stephenson's also on the show to break a little bit of UFC down. Let's get cracking. All right, Serena Williams, is she the greatest of all time. There was plenty of chat yesterday, Shane, about whether Serena is better than Margaret Court. And of course, Margaret Court, the Australian, did all those things all those years ago. Well, mate, leading into the semi-finals, uh, Serena's currently sitting on 23 titles, where Margaret Court, 24. Of course, Margaret played across both the current and the open era. But uh, yeah, you have to say, Serena, for what she's gone through with the way sport and the whole sort of you know, scrutiny on, on, on the on the players these days, she is up there, one, if not the best female uh, sports person of all time. Um, you know, she's obviously right up there. Yeah, I know. It's really hard to compare eras, but I, I personally would say and go out on a limit, it'd have to be Serena is slightly better because even in the Australian Open, if you look at the Australian Opens back in those times, there weren't that many travelling and uh, in a number of years, they were they were amateur titles. But look, it, it, it's, a, it's a big one, isn't it? You, it's very hard to compare eras. Bradman obviously sits out there with an average, a tick under 100. So it's hard to argue that he's not the greatest Australian batsman in cricket of all time. But all other things, it's tough. Yeah, well, if you look at Bradman, he's, you know, he's twice the mean. So that'd be like uh, you know, Margaret Court sitting on 48, <laughs> 48 titles. So, um, yeah, but look, look, she, she's, she's a fantastic ambassador of the sport and, uh, and a real competitor. And, and that win in the semifinal um, over Halep was, uh, was real class. You know, Halep has had her measure um, in previous sort of tournaments and um, she just wore her down, played really well, picked the key moments and uh, and rose to the top. And, um, yep, she's always up there. And that's what the really good players do, Tim. They sort of find the key moments and win them and um, and that makes all the difference. Yeah, exactly. And Novak Djokovic, he did exactly that thing last night. He's under an injury cloud. He was on the back foot but came back and won. This would be a ninth title. Forget about all his stuff about the quarantine, but uh, this would be a ninth title if he can manage it. Well, I already used the Muhammad Ali rope dope I, I don't know yeah. how bad that injury is at all. I think it was in the third set uh, versus Zverev where he was down and, and he actually he sat down on the back of the court. He took he took a break and he sort of looked like he was his side was gone and then all of a sudden he came back playing five sets and and hitting balls from all parts of the court. It's, um, it's a hard one to work out. And, and a lot of people have come out and said, if he has a stomach injury, it's impossible for him to actually play the way he played. So is he foxing? He may be the Joker. Mm, Shane Lee quoting a little bit of rumble mm. in the jungle. <laughs> okay, Shane, now look, I've said all along, and you and I differ a bit on this, Israel Folau, I reckon he'll end up playing in one of these clubs, but now he wants to front the NRL, wants to go and talk to um, Andrew Abdo and Volandis and, and the whole gang and, and just pitch his case and find out why um, and if he can get back playing. Yeah, a very different take from Israel's team here where, um, yeah, he's sort of taking more of a public relations sort of tact here. Um, Peter Volandis has come out and said, look, 
of course, he'll sit down and look at all offers, but he's got to get past Peter Volandis first. And we saw the fallout with the Dragons and, and what people thought. So it would be a big call. I still think, Timmy, I know I know you think he should come back and play, but it'll be a massive call for Peter Volandis to, to give the go-ahead to any club to sign him due to the fallout and I think public sentiment. It's not great for Israel, but at least I think he's trying to do it the right way here. Time will tell. Well, we'll wait and see. Uh, I've still got this gut feeling somewhere, somehow he's going to end up back up in the NRL. Now, let's talk cricket. And uh, India, of course, um, did so well out here in Australia and have gone straight into this series in India against England. And they're using this wicket in Chennai. It's been quite controversial, but uh, they're showing this backbone, aren't they, the Indian cricket team? Well, they certainly are, and there's a little bit of uh, history repeats itself. After um, getting bowled out in the first test in Australia um, for 36, India came back and won the series here. They're doing it again over there um, in India. England winning the first test, we know, of course, and actually dominating India in that first test. But India have now turned it around and won by 317 runs in the end and bowling England out for only 164 second innings. India dominated, so they're back. And that's for, that's Kohli's first win as captain for, for a while. Yeah, that's a pretty questionable wicket. I look forward to talking mm. to Mike Gadding, former English captain Mike Gadding, coming on the show next week, which will be fantastic. Just finally, yeah. Tim Payne, I've seen some comments uh, about where he says he, he just doesn't care about the negative backlash. It doesn't bother him. Of course, he came under fire at the back end of the Test Series against India. Well, he must care a little bit because he's evoked a response, but... Um I can see what he's trying to say. He's saying that the only important thing is that you know, he really cares about what his peers think. But it's got to hurt. You're the captain, and he understands that you know you take the good with the bad as captain. It's your responsibility, and ultimately it, it falls on you, the win or the loss. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a funny sort of comment, and it's a silly one to throw at the media too because this is the sort of stuff they pick up, and, and they'll be going for him now because there's a lot of guys that do care, and um, I just think he chose his words wrong there. All right, there's so much to talk about. This is Afternoon Sport. Coming up, a revealing sit-down chat with Canberra Raiders coach Ricky Stewart. Afternoon Sport, will a real treat. I'm in the nation's capital and I'm uh, joined by Ricky Stewart. How are you? Morning, Tim. Tell you what, this complex here, I'm at the Raiders complex and I know that we're an audio podcast, but boy, oh boy, talk about best in the world. It's a... um yeah, we're so proud of it. it, it it's a wonderful facility. And uh, just talking to some people yesterday, they asked me, is there anything that you'd put in now that you haven't got or whatnot? And there's not. It is, we're very, very fortunate as a club, but um, we've worked very hard to get it. And with that comes the demands of excellence from everyone. And obviously the story with Harawira and Ira and Horsburgh, uh, they've, they've, they've broken a crime and, and you're pretty cranky about it. I was, I was just disappointed on the choice, but look, We've dealt with it, and they show remorse for it. I mean, they, they're, they're disappointed too, and, and so they should be because they're, they're letting themselves down and their teammates. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll move on from that. It's a um, it's done, and we'll move on, and they'll be uh, back playing for us at some stage. I don't know what the um, – they've got court cases pending in regards to the um, incident itself, but uh, I feel a little bit sorry for Corey Horsburgh because he was – he didn't have a hell of a lot to drink and waited for an hour or so thinking he was okay to drive and he was just over. So still, it's 15 bucks in an Uber. 
on a positive front. A fantastic day yesterday at uh, the wonderful Jamala Wildlife Lodge. Uh, Richard Tyndale, who owns that, Mal Meninga's father-in-law is a great friend of yours, great friend of mine. And uh, look, the foundation has been around for a number of years. Of course, Emma, your daughter, has profound autism. And just just the spirit of friendship in that room and people's generosity. You feel that vibe as soon as you walk in the room. And Jamala is, for us to have this in our backyard, Jamala Wildlife Zoo, the experiences that we gain there, the beautiful meal that Richard and Maureen put on for us, they, they host us every year. We're so privileged and so lucky to have that type of experience sitting in their backyard here in Canberra. And the foundation, Emma's now an adult and, and lives in independent living. You, you through the foundation, have, have created a number of homes here, and we'll talk about the new initiative, but it's been a labour of love, the Ricky Stewart Foundation, and to actually make a tangible difference to others. Absolutely. And look, we started the foundation on the back of Emma. You know, it was something that we went public with in regards to uh, Emma's uh, disability, like living with uh, autism. So we started the foundation and um, wanted to create a bit of awareness and give families a, some help in regards to respite. And we, we, we started that 10 years ago. And now we've got Emma into independent living and the change and the growth in Emma. Like, for example, she would never sit at home and watch TV. If the TV was on and she walked into the room, I'd be calling Al Stevenson at uh, Harvey Norman Commercial and asking him for another another TV because she'd smash it. She'd Whatever she could get hold of, she'd throw out the TV. And that was her sign of saying, I don't want that on. That's just a part of her character as an autistic child. If we had family or the boys had friends coming over, we had to sell her a story in regards to who's coming, uncle or auntie or mates or whatnot, because she didn't, it was breaking her routine. Now she's watching television every day. She's got another young lady who's living with her. Maintenance guys can come in and out of the unit that she's in. The carers that Emma um, have uh, has involved with her are on a rotation daily basis because she's 24-hour care, has changed her life dramatically. And what it has also done is changed us from being carers, her brothers as being carers for her, her mother, myself, to now brothers and mum and dad. And we go and visit her whenever we want. And the best thing about it is she's just so happy. So... Then Carly and I thought from a foundation point of view, our next vision is let's build a uh, house, um, a number of units in together as a complex and create an independent living little community. And Kamari are going to be the provider. And it's something that really excites me because we can give our feeling and emotion of what we're seeing with them and now growing up and enjoying her independency to other families and other other adults. This will be adults living with uh, disability. So instead of um, trying to find accommodation for them, having to go into nursing homes for these poor guys with uh, a disability, not so much age, um, this will be a model for hopefully what I think and I'd love to promote that other cities and other people can uh, build. And that's it, isn't it? Having young people with young people, regardless yeah. of their disability, rather than in the corner of uh, you know of, of a place full of ninety-five-year-olds who can't remember what happened this morning. It's, it's and it's great to see that she's so happy. And and, and it's going to be named John Fordham House. Uh, of course, you long-term manager, another good mate of mine Both and of yours. Us. Yeah, for a long time, God rest his soul. What what a great guy, and and what a great part of the legacy to live on under that name. Well, Nick's. Um Nick Fordham is the, the youngest of the Fordhams and he's now replacing, or he said he could never replace his old man, and mm. I, I can believe that. He'll be on the board, uh, the Foundation's board now, and 
uh, at the lunch yesterday. Nick was there and Ben was the MC, and yeah, you know, he he was great. Ben and um, having a call to John Fordham home, uh, John Fordham house, I should say, um, is special to to myself. And and like you know, you knew John as good as anyone, mate. It's a um, he's still he's still living with us in a in a way. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting. Benny said he had his dad's socks on yesterday. <laughs> One of the great raconteurs and characters and, and confidants. Like having been in this game for a long time, the amount of times I would ring him and just say, hey, mate, what do you think? Um, and like he was a great supporter. So God rest his soul. It's great to see his name uh, on that house. Imagine imagine his computer or his mobile, the, the, the contacts, the networking that guy had. Because like you, Tim, um, a lot of the times I was calling saying, what do, I, what, what do you think I should do here or how do I handle this or I've got this press conference coming up and this is going to be the topic, what do I, how do I answer? And he, he just roll out his experiences and give you an opinion. And um, I, I really miss that. And often that opinion was 100%. I remember leaving Channel 9 after 23 years and, and some of the words he gave me were just absolutely brilliant. Mate, let's get it back to the footy. Uh, a couple of really good years, one particularly good year where you're a butterfly wing away and a couple of decisions away from winning a grand final. And, and the boys did well again uh, last year. Um, the title, can you feel it? That's what you play for, don't you? That's, that's the only reason I'm here. Outside building this club and making it... Uh, making everybody proud to be involved in the club and we all are we're, we're you can see with the facility here our players are so proud to be wearing the jumper they're so proud to be a raider that excites me that was you know when i first come back to canberra to coach my 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 first goal was to make this team a competitive team again and we really are and there's been a lot of hard work put in by donny right through to our ball boys you know everybody's got a role to play now it's a long way away again now because we've got 24 rounds and uh, all your playoffs. Um, Tim, you know, you've been in the game a long time. You need luck. Any sport, any business, family, you need luck to a certain degree. And as long as we keep working hard, putting ourselves in the position, the rewards will come. Um, last year, um, with our schedule through COVID and our travel, um, it was tough. And I said in a press conference yesterday that I believe um, 2020, was as good, if not better, than 2019 in regards to our performances and contribution and handling adversity. The resilience that was shown by the players was a uh, the first thing I complimented them on when we got back to work. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't wait. Uh, as a great lover and watcher of the game, and I love watching my boys play, and uh, the Canberra Raiders, well, they play such a great brand of football. And, and some of your initiatives by getting these English guys in and their influence on players around them, there's a real passion for people inside the game to come here. You know, in the past, you had to drag people kicking and screaming because they thought, oh, it's too cold, too wet, until that great 80s late 80s team that you were a part of in the early 90s and then it went cold again and now it's back. Yeah, and you know what? When you do bring... And you've got to be selective in regards to identifying the, the players we need now and where we recruit from. Obviously, our local talent coming through, it's, it's great to be able to build the local talent coming through and they're, they're playing for their hometown. Um, but then identifying their in our recruitment is important. And if someone does come here kicking and screaming thinking it's too cold, well, we don't want them either respectfully because you know that's the harsh climate we live in um to meet Elliot Whitehead yesterday at the lunch yeah I did yeah yeah he's a wonderful bloke and he's as tough as they come that's that's the brand that we want um Sue Soliola and Jack White were there yesterday and they made me proud the way they handled themselves yesterday that's the character I want here and they're three internationals so for me um that's the the backbone to our club now 
Um, no nonsense. Do the hard work. Enjoy the community um, and be mates. You know, that's the backbone to our joint. And we all make mistakes across time. And and I love the Jack White story because when he had that, you know, he had that sort of fork in the road, didn't he? He, he could go one way or the other way. And he had there was a moment there and he was in a bit of trouble. But he's gone this way and he's been a sensational player. He's got a Clive Churchill medal in a, in a beaten team. He's been a star of a state of origin side and one of the backbones of not only your football team but away from the game. He's been here since he's 16, Tim. And... He's a good person, Jack, and I know Donnie's seen him come through as a younger guy and had to deal with a lot of issues with Jack and all self-inflicted, and Jack would be the first one to tell you that, but Donnie and myself, we we were getting frustrated at times with Jack, but we wouldn't let him take the wrong fork in the road, mate. You know, he's too good a bloke, and he is a very strong leader of this uh, club in the way he uh, handles himself, the way he plays the game, and... It's our job to keep developing young men. And, you know, when they're good people, good blokes, good young men, you don't let them take the wrong fork in that road. Yeah, uh, what a player. Just a couple of last quick questions. Israel Flower, I said the other day that I think he will end up at a football club and I can't see, apart from media hype, uh, look, look, I don't agree with what he said, but I don't think he's committed enough crimes or any crimes to not be a part of a football team. What, what do you, would you have him here? It's a hard one. No, we don't need him here. Mate, we've got a, uh, a ton of depth in the outside backs, so um, I don't need to get into the, uh, the conversation of uh, you know, if he should be involved in the game or whatnot, but i certainly got enough young talent here at the moment. you got him here, but do you, do you think he should be allowed to come back? I've I got a feeling, I said, it on, I said it on our show last week, that I think some point, some time, he's too talented, they're going to find a way to get him back somehow. Uh, I've coached Israel. And he's a nice young guy. Um, you know, he's, uh, like all of us, we have to be um, careful making comment about all sorts of things nowadays. And for me as a bloke, I'd rather just, uh, I mean, I, I talk my mind in regards to my profession in, with football. But with the social media platforms today, with comments uh, can be scrutinised, you've got choices to make there. You can uh, put yourself out there or you can... Uh, Take the low road and just keep calm. Stay quiet. Well, it's going to be an interesting space to watch. It's not a decision you have to make. No. But I'll finish on a very positive note because the Arboretum, another guy that we both know well, Johnny Mackay, former board member here, looks after the Arboretum. And this, for people outside of, of Canberra, wouldn't quite understand the significance. But you planted a tree in the Arboretum. And some of the people that have done that in the past, unbelievable. Yeah, it was a, it was a special uh, – it was this time last week. It was a really special day. And I took you know, my wife, Kaylee and – her parents and mum and dad, we went up there and it was, uh, it was a great honour to have that uh, bestowed upon me and it's a great initiative what they're doing there at the Arboretum in regards to uh, symbolising a, a big part of the hill there with a number of trees that are being planted in honour of certain people. And Tim, the next time you're here, go up and have a coffee there or a meal there, it's a lovely restaurant. The, just the view out over Canberra is amazing and uh, the concept in what they're building there is is amazing at the Arboretum. I think we had um, we're second to the War Memorial last year in regards to the uh, number of visitors through, and um, I think it was around um, seven hundred and seventy thousand people through in the in twelve month period. So it really is a lovely place. And um, again, I'm a, I love Canberra and I find it very easy to promote it. But it's a um, a big landmark there for. Um, 
uh, for Canberra, something we're proud of. Well, mate, congratulations on the foundation. So Thanks, happy Tim. that Emma's in a happy, happy place. And it's she been a really lot of is. work for others that you're doing and people at the foundation to make other families be in a, in a better position. And Thanks, all the best Tim. in 2021. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, John Stephenson. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com As a professional sports person, I knew the value of a good coach. And being a business owner is no different. With the Business Coach from Growth Workshop, you can build the business you've always dreamed of. A valuable business that runs by itself. If you need to take control of your future with a winning strategy, Growth Workshop specialises in improving your cash flow, developing sales and marketing strategies to drive revenue, and getting those ideas out of your head into an action plan. Growth Workshop will help you develop a business plan and achieve your financial goals with regular guidance from our experienced team. Whether you want to drive revenue with a new marketing strategy or put the right team and systems in place, we'll help you free up from the day-to-day and allow you to grow your business. We can help. Get in touch with Growth Workshop Business Coaching at growthworkshop.com.au to book in for your no-obligation strategy session. Growth Workshop, turning your good idea and hard work into a valuable asset. Afternoon sport. John Stephenson is on the line. John, what about the UFC? There seems to be headline after headline. Afternoon, John. Afternoon, brother Tim and Shane. Ah, uh, wow. Where do you want me to start, Tim? Like, I, like this is, this is the. I love. I keep saying every time we speak about UFC. Damn, I love fighting sports. It's just such a. It, there's just so much circus and politics and and just drama. It's just so cool. But yet, yet it's so pure when they get in there and punch each other's head in. You know, um, we saw on the weekend Kamari Usman just dominate um, and really become, I guess, one of the greatest welterweight champions in the UFC history, just dominating Gilbert Burns. Um, I did tell you guys that Gilbert would um, potentially win this fight. It's the first time I got my tips wrong, but. It was a great fight, great first round by Gilbert, and it really shows experience counts. It was I said at the beginning last week, I did say that Gilbert can either be the guy that learnt from his training partner and now has surpassed him, or Kamaru would be the guy that had his measure all from the start and knew what it, what it took to dominate. And in the press conference, post-press conference after the fight, Kamaru said um, – that is pretty much how our sparring sessions went um, when we were training partners back in the day. So for those that did not listen last week, Kamaru was a training partner of Gilbert Burns, and and they they just their, their paths met for for to become welterweight champion of the UFC. So um, it was a great fight, um, really interesting. And then we also saw Dana White declare that that D- Dustin Poirier is going to probably have a trilogy with with Conor McGregor. I, I think that's a it's a pretty weird decision, but. Um, it was endorsed by Dustin, and and it's it's yeah I don't know it was, it was a weird one I don't know I don't know if I really want to see that to be honest Tim John it's upset a few other fighters the whole Dana White decision hasn't it Yeah definitely Shane if you look in that division um, besides Dustin you have Khabib who everybody wants to fight because really honestly he's probably the best fighter in the UFC now at the moment um, you've got Max Holloway who wants his title and a shot again at Conor McGregor. Um, You know, the division is a stacked division where really, honestly, there there could be a few champions within that division. Um, So 
it's it's yeah, it's it's a funny one to me. Like I said, I don't know if I really want to see it. I think I think they just need to get their blood out of Conor McGregor, um, the UFC. So it's. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know how it's going to feel, mm. whether, we, whether we're going to want it. It was such a definitive win by Dustin. I think the same result happens second time around. But, hey, Connor has proved us wrong when he fought D- Nate Diaz and lost the first fight and gassed out and came back with a mad game plan and ended up winning the second fight against Nate Diaz. So Nate's also put his hand up saying that he wants a, a bit of Connor McGregor action because I think everybody loves that big payday when they fight the Mystic Mac. Well, we're just going to drip feed you the the boxing and the fighting sports. So we'll talk boxing on Friday because I know there's plenty to talk about Chuck Mundine and who Ch- uh, Tim Zhu is going to be up against next. But I want to get into the motor vehicle. I want to see the exhaust engines. Uh, let's talk F1. And actually, no exhaust on Fernando Alonso's Malvin Star. He's come off it in Switzerland. What's going on, John? Yeah, man. Uh, this is my biggest worry as an athlete when you're paid for a professional sport, which is like your chosen sport, say it's like motor racing or running or boxing or whatever the sport, chosen sport is that you're into. And when you do these recreational activities, like imagine getting hurt and you, and you don't have the ability to actually do what your bread and butter is or what, you know, what your job is. And, and poor old Alonzo is obviously trying to get fit for the season, doing a bit of cross training and ends up falling on his beak and busting up his body. Um, I think he'll be okay, but yeah, it shows how it shows how uh, how dangerous he can be, um, and how you can in an elite sport you can go from having a job and then all of a sudden um, getting hurt and and someone else will end up taking your seat and you lose all those millions of dollars that you get paid as a as a Formula One driver. John, Saturday week you'll be in Bathurst for the Bathurst Five Hundred. You're racing, yeah? Oh, Shane! Oh, Shane! It is, like I motor racing is me. I. I I'm so excited to get back behind the wheel, and I'm also so excited to see the V8 start in Bathurst this year for the Bathurst 500. Now we normally see them for the Bathurst 1000, which normally around October end of the year, which is one of the culminating races for the endurance series. But obviously, it was all COVID going on. They obviously need circuits, just similar to the Formula One circuits, where they can actually be able to race without and govern the whole COVID issues that surround putting on a, on a major event, similar to what we're seeing with the AO. But yeah, the, the, it's a funny season. We thought Formula One was bad with driver changes. Uh, it has been absolutely silly season with the V8s. Um, um, the, the, probably the, the most honourable and, and noticeable mentions would be Scott McLaughlin leaving DJR, who is who, who is the reigning champion for the V8 Supercars last year, um, and also seeing David Coulthard um, getting dropped from the team and in come Will Davison, who very sadly last year, midway through the season, his team lost funding and money and he, he couldn't race due to COVID. They, they had no sponsorship, so he missed half the season last year. Will Davison, a former two-time Bathurst champion himself. So, you know, it's it's a real, it was a really funny thing to sort of see now Will Davison and Anton Di Pasquale, who they're saying is going to be the next sort of big thing, who was formerly with Erebus. Now, speaking with Erebus, Dave Reynolds was with Erebus, and so was Anton. Dave has now left Erebus and gone to Kelly Grove Racing, which was a very strange move. There was rumbles that, that the team chemistry with David and the team principal was, was, was quite funny and jaded uh and so it was it was strange to see day just signed a 10-year deal last year and to see him sort of leave the team and go to kelly grove was really strange and in come will brown and Brody kostecki two young thundercats who um who can drive a car there's absolute weapons behind the wheel so i mean that's just the tip of the iceberg of the driver changes and and what's happened um so far in the vh and it's definitely a space to watch and i'm looking forward to talking about how i go next week and also talking about what, what happened to the vh because i think to start off at bathurst 
is absolutely super mm. cool. And don't forget, it's also probably one of the last years or will be the last year we will see Holden because I'm pretty confident that it's going to change to Camaro the following year. So that's pretty sad. To, I mean, it's pretty pretty much the last time we're going to see, you know, the Holden go around Bathurst between now and February and also in October. And I mm. just forgot, sorry, sorry, Tim and Shane, um, a very, very, very weird decision was made by Jamie Winkup, who's a seven-time champion, um, co-owner of, uh, of Triple Eight Racing. Uh, he, this is his last year as well. So um, we're going to see, you know, a, a legend and, and a future Hall of Famer in Jamie Winkup being his last year in the championship of V8. So, um, yeah, it, it, it has been a, a very strange old silly season in the preseason for the V8s. John, I never had a Holden, but you've got to love him, mate. See you Friday, buddy. Hey, if you did have that hold and you have that sticker, like if the what is it, if the car is rocking, don't come and <laughs> knock it. Oh, yeah, the old Sandman. Goodness gracious me, John. We better let you go before you get us into trouble. See you Friday. Cheers, guys. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you, of course, goes to our guests, Ricky Stewart and John Stephenson. Thank you also to our wonderful sponsors, Shane. Yes, great sponsors, www.spartansportshq.com. Oh, and the king when it comes to podcaster is Dan McHugh. He's our producer. Thank you, Dan. We'll see you tomorrow, guys. See you then, guys. Bye.